You guys want to jump in? Huh? You guys want to jump in? To this? Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. This is episode seven of Music and Weights. This is the podcast where we discuss similarities between becoming great at immediately the stage and doing something great with your body and what we learn from the two of those things together. So what's up, Freddie? Hey, I'm good, baby. This is Freddie Valentine, everybody, if you didn't so, know. Freddie is, I think, like the, the person who, dude, I think you epitomize what we're about. Because, let's see, let's go way back. It's like almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. When we met, you were doing two things differently. One, you were singing baritone. Yes, I was a baritone. Yeah, it was a glorious baritone. <laughs> I was really good. <laughs> it was so fun being I a baritone. Remember, like, dude, just like hearing. So you came a week late to Spoleto. Yeah. So I had been in the hospital already. And, yes. Uh, and people were like, "Yo, wait until Freddie gets here. You just wait until you hear this guy." And you came in and you sang Largo in this little that this, church thing. This, that we, were in. we were like in the the attic of some church or something that's below and I was just like holy crap dude it was amazing it was, just, <laughs> it, was it but you also weighed like 300 pounds yes I think I actually weighed exactly 300 pounds <laughs> so, but, okay, how tall are you how tall were you then uh, yo don't tell people that I'm actually, <laughs> don't be telling people my actual height I walk around in lifts nobody knows my real height so let's just say his actual eight. height was such that that 300 pounds it, you know it made him look Round. Yeah, <laughs> Freddie was you were you were about as you were. Let's five, say back seven. then I was five seven. Let's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> back then Freddie was five seven and weighed three hundred pounds. So dude, you were, I mean, you were like as wide as you were tall. You were like pretty much. And but now you are like, I mean, I'm looking at you in a tank top, dude. You were you're jacked. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm gonna take a bow. Thank you. So let's dude. So why don't we like let's let's go back because I remember uh, this is like first time I met Diane Zola was I was her saying. Hey, you need to. I think she said you and Noel. She both was like, you guys like need to, to lose weight, and that was the first time that I really was like, oh, weight is like a thing here in the in the opera world. People are focused on it, and dude, just in keeping up with you and <clears throat> kind of been like following in your footsteps a little bit, going to Yava and going to Rice. The entire time that you were on that journey, you were just shrinking. Yeah. So let's start there. What did you do? I think actually the journey. My health journey really began began when I got into grad school, yeah. Because two things changed. I moved to a different place, so it was easier for me to make a lifestyle change. Um, and then Diane Zola was in Houston, and I actually thank her every single time I see her for the changes that I've made with yeah. my body, with my voice. Because she, we had a master class, and she said, "I want to tell you all the importance of looking good and what is opera today." And she looked at me. And she says, Freddie, I've known you for a long time, and I've been telling you forever that you need to lose weight, but it's really time for you to get this done. So I want you to email me every day with a spreadsheet of what you've been eating, how much you've been working out, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I am not going to have this woman all up in my business like that. But I will make sure that every time she sees me, she sees a difference. Yeah. And that's all I needed. I needed somebody to set a fire under my ass. And so I went to see a nutritionist. This nutritionist taught me about portion sizes. Uh, she made me download an app. I think it was called lose it back then and I just started tracking what I was eating um, I had a little lunch box with me everywhere I went where I had some snacks like healthy snacks like some pretzels or some carrot sticks whenever I felt like I needed to munch because yeah. that was another problem I just I felt like I needed to munch constantly right. so once I started to munch on kale it didn't make as Instead much of a difference exactly okay so right oh, wait keep going, keep going so what else did you um, do? and in addition to that I started working out I think I probably lost like 
most of my weight on this one freaking bike at the rec center. I use the same bike like every day and I go hard 45 minutes. No strategy, just going. No, I just I just wanted to have an accelerated heart rate for an extended period of time. Yep. That's all I wanted to do. I, between that and the eating more frequently throughout the day yep. and being more conscious about what I was eating, it was able to kick to start my metabolism. So and, what were you eating like let's go like the day before you decided to start losing weight? Versus, you know, two months in. Like, what was your lifestyle like the day before? The day before? You know, like what? I would imagine that I woke up in the morning and ate a massive bowl of cereal. And then, huh? What kind of cereal? Something sweet. (laughs) Like, no, no, that's, look, look, look. Cinnamon Toast Crunches has to be like, it's it's almost brunch, right? You got to be careful with that. (laughs) I want to say it was like, maybe it wasn't that bad. It was probably cornflakes with some banana and strawberry. I would always cut up bananas and strawberry and put that into my breakfast. But I'd probably have two bowls of that. Because I'd have one, and then I would tell myself I was still hungry, and I would eat another one. 100 grams of carbs, right? So much, right? (laughs) And then I'd go to school, and this is where I would fuck myself up again. I would be in school, and I'd be there all day, and I wouldn't eat anything. And by the end of school, I'd be tired, and I'd be ravenous. And that meant that on the way home, if I saw a fast food place, I would I may stop and get something. Once I got home, if there was food in the fridge, I'd eat it all. Yeah. Um, and that was another huge problem, just like stuffing my face so much at the end of the day because I just could not deal with the hunger of like having an entire day without eating. Yeah. But once I started to space it out, it made it a lot easier. So all of this nutrition has had. I mean, it sounds like the biggest steps for you were like one, just writing down what you eat. Yes. Just becoming accountable. So that, like, even then you, you look down and you're like, okay, two bowls of Frosted Flakes, like, or Corn Flakes, this is not doing it for me. Right. Just writing things down and then just replacing what you snack with something else. Mm-hmm. So not even counting, like, did, did she have you hitting a specific macro goal initially? Or no, we didn't touch macros at all. I didn't start uh, thinking about macros until I got here, actually, okay. um, to Washington. Uh, I think we were straight up counting calories, man. We, what were you going for? What you so long ago, I want to say it was 1,700, 1,600. Is that pretty low? Yeah, it's pretty low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had me going on a. It was pretty low. I remember. She may not have had it there. Y'all, my memory is really bad. No, that's that's really low. It's pretty low. That's like what you would give like a very small woman, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm not a small woman. (laughs) It had to have been better than that. She was good at her job. I can't quite remember. So, but you were incorporating more vegetables, higher protein. Yes. The effect of something like that is just to an extent. But I don't think that. But back then. It wasn't an issue of, other than like the snacks yeah. that I had throughout the day, yeah. my main meals, like it, they probably weren't necessarily healthy things. Right. Because I still hadn't recognized in my head that I didn't need yeah. to have those things all the time. Like fried chicken was the end all be all, and right, that's what right, I right. wanted. Yeah. I wanted a burrito, and yeah, that's what yeah, I would yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Chipotle was my thing, and I knew how many calories yeah. <laughs> I had it saved in my phone, how yeah. many calories yeah. I can get for a specific God goal. Bless that yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was so nice. So at the same time that you were losing all this weight, like, making one massive change you're making another huge change you switched to tennis yeah or i guess you decided to start training as a tennis what was that like um that was hard that was one of the hardest things i've ever done and like it may sound superficial but y'all y'all understand we tie so much of our emotion into our voices and and until you don't until your voice doesn't work the way you want it to you don't realize it emotion and identity Yes. Like, how much of your identity was wrapped up in, like, me baritone? You know, like, this is my voice. This is what I sing. So much of it. That's why I fought the 
I fought people telling me I was a tenor for so long for that reason because I was a baritone. This is what I play. This is how I act. Yeah. You know, I can I can get away with being a heavy baritone. Also, that was something that I had in my head. Right. You know, and then I started switching, and I was like, oh, gotta be romantic. What was the biggest change for you, like technically? Like, let's talk like technical shop. You know, going from being a baritone to being a tenor. Well, I mean. I think that the reason I was able to get away with being a baritone for so long was because I did a lot of laryngeal depression, which colored the sound. Um, freeing that up is what really was the hardest thing because that muscle memory was strong. Right. I, my voice switched when I went to a performing arts high school. We did opera there. So I was singing baritone roles for a <laughs> sophomore year of we high gotta, school on. Wait, we got to talk about the ridiculously stacked time of you being there. Tell Caroline. I went to the Governor's School for the Arts in Norfolk, Virginia. Tell Caroline who was there just just while I was there. Uh, Crystal Williams, she's doing well now. She's a mezzo. Uh, Will Leverman, Will's doing really well. He's a baritone. Uh, We're on the same roster. Uh, Ryan Speedle Green was there while I was there. Uh, He's at the Met and at Vienna. (laughs) Oh, and he has a book. And then, (laughs) yeah, he's, he's doing it all. Uh, Josh, Conyers, Josh Conyers, who's in the Young Artist Program here right now. Uh, Marjorie Owens, who has sung, well, Marjorie was there before me, but she sung at the Met plenty of times. She sung all over the world. She's fantastic. Barbara Quintiliani. It was a, <laughs> that school, that school like pops out some deep like. cool talent there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was there too. All of us, that Adam Richardson, if y'all know Adam, we were all there at the same time, and <laughs> it was. I have. I actually just found this recording of Ballad of Baby Doe that we did. Uh, I want to say my junior year with Will and Liverman double cast. I mean Will and Josh Conyers double cast as Horace Tabor. Oh my and God. Like I was just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. This is a high school. Will's, <laughs> those two fools sound exactly the same as they did in high school, yo. They've always been ridiculous. And here was my tale up there being like, oh, if they sound like that. Let me go ahead and darken this sound. If that's what I gotta do to hang out with these two fools. But, um, yeah, that high school um, started me off early, which was fortunate, but it didn't mean that I had a lot of muscle memory to let right. go of. So then, so you go from being, I mean, also, we should talk about vocal pedigree. Like, did you study with two of the most revered teachers for men, specifically? Oh, yes. Yeah. Bill and Dr. King. Bill McGraw, Dr. King. So yes. what was the, what are, like, the linchpin technique, like, ideas that you held on to dropping baritone? weight and color and going into 10. I think that... Like, was there one cue for yourself that you were always like, okay, like, just do this here. More, you know, in Dr. King speak. More <sighs> My work with Bill was so long ago now that I think about it. But I think what Bill really taught me how to do is how to turn the voice. Like a baritone. He, ta- he taught me how to turn like a baritone. So but, what's, huh? That, what's that mean to you? Uh, back then it meant singing nasal. Uh-huh. It meant singing nasal through the passaggio, which was actually basically narrowing the sound through the passaggio and then opening it back up once you got past the passaggio. And um, before I started working with Bill McGraw, I couldn't sing above an F sharp, right. remember? Yeah. Um, and then I started working with him and I was piping out A's left and right. And I was like, I'm going to be famous. But, uh, but that's where I really, that's how Bill really helped. He also, uh, Bill also had a really interesting idea, if I remember correctly, of a of how to achieve a round sound um, through uh, vowel modification. And you can also find that very much in Dr. King's technique. Column. Yes, column. Like, Dr. King's baritones have that connection to the chest voice, 
and a full round column throughout the entire voice. Right. Um, and I think I have maintained that. And I've definitely awesome. maintained from Dr. King the connection to the chest voice. Right. My ascent through the Primo Passaggio, though, I still remember that from Bill McGraw. Yeah. yeah. And then Laura Books Rice has come in and helped me to polish yeah. it off. So, I mean, she's done amazing work because your high oh, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, so I what, love working with her. So what then from her, like, as you sort of stack all of these ideas on top of each other, what for her or from her are like your main technique cues, go-tos to be like, do this, this note is going to explode and be brilliant? Uh, I think that with Laura, she taught me again how to narrow at the very top of the voice, how to narrow like a, like almost like thread in that needle as you ascend up to the very, very top. And then understanding how you, it's not just placing it forward with Laura, uh -huh. it's more of a, um, she calls it a flare. Right. Like you have to have flares to create your, your overtones. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've been able to get that spinny, ringy, ringy fucking so tenor thing. So that's just thing. basically maintaining the ring from t all yeah. the way through the top. Yeah, and that's why, y'all know Leah Hawkins. Leah Hawkins used to get me on that, yo. She, <laughs> like, no matter what we sang, I'd be like, oh my god, I sung that. I really did that really well. And she's like, yeah, but you just didn't really have enough height, you know? You're just not spinning enough on the top. And Laura came in and was like, I'll help you fix that, uh -huh. you know? So, so really, it's... Okay, when you're up there, when you're really wailing, it sounds loud as hell out in the house. What does it feel like in your head? So, oh, sometimes it feels so tiny. Yeah. Sometimes it feels very, very tiny. And unless I have some type of hard um, surface, surface yeah. in front of me, I won't even know how I sound. And that is so scary. And I think that's what a lot of tenors especially struggle with, like knowing that you have to trust sensation rather than your ear. Um, and there are times where like, depending on if I'm singing with a soprano and I have that little bit of feedback, yeah. I know where I sit and then I can really go wailing. But other than that, I have to definitely trust that like, even though it may sound small in my head, it's coming out yeah. big in the house. So did you do like, you work relentlessly, like even coming in here, I can see like this German, you know, you're like practicing your German grammar. And you, I've run into you now, I started working at WSC again, dude, I've run into you every time I've been there. You don't stop. What is for you, like, what drives you? I think um, it's called ADD. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that is driving me my entire life. <laughs> there's an organization to you as well. It doesn't seem just like chaos. Like ADD, I think, can manifest itself in just complete chaos. Ooh, yes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh my god, that was me in undergrad. But I think I have managed to make it work to my advantage to an yeah. extent. Uh, I find that I, outside of the gym, I can focus on a thing for probably like 30 minutes to an hour, tops. Yeah. And then my brain will just straight up shut down. But if I can find something else to focus on, like before that shut shutdown starts, it's like I restart and I can right. focus on that new thing again. So if I'm working on this, I'll work on this for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and before I get tired, I'll instinctively be like, let me wander away to the piano and look at some music, yeah. you know? Um, I think that's, so I've, I've turned what should be a negative into a positive, is how, I, awesome. is how I'm thinking about it, yeah. you know? Um, but other than that, like, I mean, damn, we don't really get a chance to chill in this life, do we? I, I, that's why I enjoy going out and dancing so much, because that's the only time that I really get a chance to no chill. You know, or, well, most people wouldn't call it chilling if I'm dancing. <laughs> I guess we'll call it twerking, really. I was going to say, what kind of dancers are those? Like? It's quite energetic. <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, I, I, I feel like it's necessary. You have to, you have to stay on that grind in this life if, if you, you want to get ahead. Be, yeah. If you want to get ahead, you just got to stay on the grind. If you were going to be content with singing, you know, big roles in small houses for the rest of your life, you could chill. Okay. But the reason why you're going to the Met next year is... Because you haven't. Right. <laughs> you haven't chilled. So exactly. I, I have a question about your family of origin. Okay. Are your parents musicians? No, no. My dad is wonderfully tone deaf, and it's really beautiful. Uh, he can match pitch if he's heard it hundreds of times. Yeah. So he sounds just like Al Green, and he <laughs> sings Al Green, and it's like, oh my God, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. And then he goes to church choir, and the choir director will be like, Fred, you don't have to sing this section. <laughs> um, so no, I, I may have gotten some voice from him, but I definitely didn't get any musical talents from him. My mom uh, had used to have a beautiful voice. She had a surgery, unfortunately, and so her voice, uh, she lost a bit of it. But actually, I think it's coming back now. Um, so we were a singing family. There was always music in the house. We were always in church choir, but we were, are not, they are not musicians. No. Where are they from? My mom is from Norfolk, Virginia. And my dad is from Carroll, Illinois. Uh, but he also made his way through Norfolk via the Navy. Okay. Okay. Do you have any siblings? Yes. I have an older sister, Shala, spelled S-O-L-A. I don't understand it, but sure. <laughs> and uh, I have a younger brother, Travis. And I have my my cousin, Brittany. She was raised with us, she, so I call, I call her my yeah, sister. Yeah, yeah. And then my sister is also two years older than me, so she has... Um, so she had children while I was like, okay, gotcha, younger. Gotcha, gotcha. When I, around the time I was ten, she was twenty, and she started having kids. So Shala has two sets of twins. Oh, nice! So there are always lots of young folks in the house. Yeah. It's, it, it's a pretty big family. Um, what, dude? If you weren't going to be crushing it in the opera world, what would you be doing? I would, so my mom made me audition for that performing arts high school, right? And I definitely didn't want to. Um, and I would say up until the time that my voice changed in my sophomore year. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer. I had wanted to be a lawyer since I was little. We used to hold like little cute court cases. <laughs> I was obsessed with all types of court TV. I wait, wait, wanted wait, wait, to judge Judy, Judge um, Joe Brown, all those, yeah, all those like almost. Legal. Oh nah, nah. That was a little too. You, that was a little too advanced for I my mean, if young you have self. Judge Judy, what else do you need? I know, <laughs> yo. She was, uh, she was the queen of the read. Yeah. She was the queen of the read. Um, but yeah, I was so obsessed with that. I want that was what I wanted. And then sophomore year came around, and I had been doing opera for a year. And I decided that if my voice changed and I was still talented, I would consider pursuing opera. And my voice changed, and I was still good. And I was like, okay, I'll try this out and just see how people yeah. seem to react. But I still want to do law. Anytime I did any assignments where it was like, what do you want to be when you finish college? I was like, a lawyer still up until I would say senior year when I started getting into colleges. And then getting into colleges, you were like, oh, maybe I should do this. Yeah, once these scholarships started to come in, I was yeah. like, okay, well, that's sad. So you went to CCM. Where else were you looking at? Um, I think I applied to Peabody, uh, George Mason University. Uh, I want to say, where did I apply in New York? It may have been Manus or Manhattan. I can't remember. Um, North Carolina School for the Arts, Hart. Uh, where else did we? We had my performing arts. My performing arts high school, high school had connections with a bunch of schools. Uh, their teachers would come do master classes with us. I know CCM was one. Peabody. Yeah, I think those are the ones that I okay. did. It had to happen like around seven. Do you watch Suits? No. Oh, 
Dude, I, I used to want to be a lawyer as well. Yeah. And, and then when I realized it wasn't going to be like Boston Legal, great show, <laughs> then I, I quit wanting to be a lawyer. You should watch Suits. Yeah. It's just pretend corporate Hollywood law. It's great. Okay. It seems so fun, doesn't it? <laughs> it seems so fun. In actuality, it's probably boring. Just, you want me to just like wear stuff? like nice suits and like go around like pointing stuff and, and make arguing. Yeah, yeah, arguing in court. Yeah, yeah. It's, isn't that how it is? Don't we just yeah. yell at each other in court? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you were losing weight, what was it like going home? Going home? Yeah. Was it easy to maintain that like a new style of eating and your workout schedule and all this stuff that was kind of new? You know, that- actually, when I was losing weight, I. I haven't been home for more than two weeks yeah. since my freshman year, since my first year of undergrad. Undergrad. I don't, I really don't think I've been home for more than two weeks. Yeah. I I was always like I said I was always grinding. Like first year, first summer I went to Aspen. Second summer of college, I mean, I went to George. I went to Lake George and Spoleto. Thirty. I I did something every summer, yeah. so I never really had to go home that often. Um, that made it easier. Yeah. I would say anytime I went home for Thanksgiving, the you grub was on. Yeah. The grub was on and cracking, and there was nothing I could do about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And the first time I came home, coming talking about this nonsense about like <laughs> you don't need to fry everything. Yeah. My mom was like, "Well, how about I just like soak it in grease?" <laughs> like I, I seriously remember her biggest objection. I was like, "This is still." so greasy we just can't break the habit <laughs> but uh i would say that now it's it's not hard no yeah, i just yeah. go home i know my schedule if i'm hungry i look in the fridge if there's something i can eat i can yeah. eat it if i go home and it's around the holiday season and there's lots and lots of food around then i i don't load up my plate like i used to yeah my stomach is actually shrunk too so i don't right. i don't i get full so much right right so right, right. pretty quickly so you haven't rebounded Really, I mean, not not to like any like you know really like noticeable extent. Mm-mm. And you travel a lot, like you said, you're grinding twenty four seven. So when you're like outside of your own kitchen, when you're outside of your own gym and natural habitat, what do you do on the road? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I, I'm going to Germany tomorrow, and I totally forgot to pack my Tupperware. <laughs> like, I seriously noted pack Tupperware. I seriously pack like little carry uh, four yeah. or five little um. You know the takeaway yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I take those with me, and I take them with me when I travel. And I, I'll put them in a little bag if I am gonna be if I know I'm gonna be gone all yeah. day. And I and you have a kitchen food. there. Yes, I, okay. I have a whole apartment in Berlin. And so then you just go shop this normal grocery store. Yep, and I still just do my regular cooking. Honestly, uh, uh, it's and most of the time, like if people want to go out to eat, I'll go and I'll I'll eat yeah, something yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But I don't need to I don't need to stuff myself like yeah. I used to. Yeah. You know. So what are you doing in the gym right now? Today I just did the fastest like day I've had in a long time, but I think that's all I wanted because I had one on Monday too. Yeah. Um, but right now I'm trying to focus on um, cutting because it's springtime. Spring has uh-huh. sprung. Yeah. Body has to be right. <laughs> um, so, but all I did, uh, I was smoking all winter and it, it went really well. Um, but uh, I just cut back a little bit. I cut out my second breakfast and my and my second dinner i cut those two out <laughs> and, uh, and other than that I, I do more or less the same thing just shrink it down yeah shrink down portions i met a guy in houston uh big trainer guy and i was like hey man like what's you know, like when you're thinking about calories and nutrition what do you do he's like i literally eat the same thing no matter what i just shrink my portions if i want to cut yes exactly. add more if i want to get big i was like Damn. That's, I feel like that's pretty much all you got to do. Counting macros and things. Yeah. So what and if you, you shrink your portions, you won't slow your metabolism down that much, you know? Because you'll still just have the same, like, food throughout the day. Yeah. And won't be thinking, like, oh, I'm cutting this sucks. Like, mm-hmm. totally changing your diet. Like, yeah. Good way to trick yourself. So, oh, damn, what was I going to ask you? Um, 
Favorite body part to train? I would say back or shoulders. I would say back because it looks... Y'all, I do it all for the I do it all for the looks. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yo, I mean, people be like, oh my well, gosh. Well, tell about your tattoo. I mean, yes, my alter ego tattoo that's on my back. He definitely represents who I would like to look like. What I would like to look like. And like you're about you're like ninety percent of the way. Back. You think so? Yeah. Thank you. But yo, that's a lot of a that's a big um, it's a lot to live up to that tattoo, right? So that bag has to stay muscular, otherwise he'll look a hot mess. So. <laughs> So I definitely work really hard on my back for that reason, and uh, my shoulders, because my shoulder, I, I, I just wanted big shoulders, and it's hard for me to gain in my shoulders, yeah. so, and I hate my legs because my knees are bad. So what would you say to somebody, like somebody listening to this, who is like, wow, I'm, I'm feeling like Freddie, like, I'm a really talented undergrad, like, it looks like, you know, if I just will do these things, if I will just stay on the path, I'll be able to make a career but I need to lose weight. What would you say to that person? I would say that you should look into getting a trainer. And if you're in if you're in college when this is happening, your school usually has some really great deals with trainers. Like, I'm telling y'all, yeah. it is cheaper to do it while you're in school. If you can start losing 100%. weight while you're in school, get it done. If your school has any connections with any dietitians or nutritionists, go see them and let people help you. I mean, it's... Say it again. Let people help you. <laughs> you don't. You didn't learn how to sing by yourself. You can't learn how to train your body by That's yourself. That's one of those similarities that I just that I think are like so important. It's like for me, I've done so much. Actually, I learned so much in the rice weight room. There was a group of like powerlifting undergrads that would be in there like throwing up ridiculous numbers, and I just go in there and be like, yo, let me let me pick your brain about how to deadlift. Mm -hmm. It's not unlike to me sitting in rehearsal. That's one of the great things about, you know, WNO or like or even being a yap is like I get to sit in rehearsal and like, yeah, what are you doing? How do you make that noise? It's like getting to talk to you know Lucas or Kioldi and being like, hey, older baritones, yeah, what are you doing here? Um, so what is like some what help would you would you say to somebody if they were like, yo, Freddie, like, what are the top three things that yeah. I should be doing to get a get a trainer? Like if they came to you for help, they came to me. I would say get a trainer. I would say if you are a singer, let your teacher know mm -hmm. that you're about that you are trying to make a change because singing and lifting together are completely possible. But it's hard and you have to be very very conscious of both. So you have lost weight, built your body up and gotten better at singing. Yes. Big thing that people I think in our world are really afraid of is that you're going to lose a lot of weight and forget how to sing that it's going to affect your voice. How much weight did you lose? I lo I've i lost 120 pounds. <laughs> okay, okay. So that qualifies as a massive weight loss. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, lost, yeah. I lost a person. Um, I Yes, yo, I think my first summer after having lost a lot of weight, I probably lost like 60 to 70 pounds at first over the first nine months at school. I got to Wolf Trap and... I could hear that my vibrato had slowed down 
because what I used for my breast support was no longer there. Yeah. I didn't have any breast support, honestly, when I was heavy. I Dr. King would say, drop the groceries. I had a lot of groceries to drop, girl. <laughs> and I did it. And, like, I, I would just let it go, and it was easy. All of a sudden, I had to learn how to breathe. Yeah. You are working with a different body, so you have to learn how to use a new body. If you hear something, say something. Like, if you hear that your voice isn't working the way that it used to, talk to your teacher and help and have them help you figure out what it is that is causing it and how to rebuild yourself yeah. to fix it. So I, I, it was during the summer and I was still losing weight and that's when I hear the wobble coming in. And I knew that Deb Birenbaum, who is a really, really well-known breath specialist was mm -hmm. gonna be there. And I was like, Deb, I feel like this is happening. She heard me and she had also heard me the summer before and she was like, oh yeah, Freddie, it is happening, but that's fine. It's natural when you lose weight. It's nothing to worry about. Just find somebody to help you fix it. And all she did was give me some breath exercises yeah. to speed up my breath speed. What did she give you? Oh, God, chromatics. Oh, God, yeah. her and her chromatics, man, is exhausting. Literally, I walk out of there, like, clutching my yeah. obese, like, it's just too much. Um, but, th okay, so that's two, right? Um, what else is there? So get a trainer slash get help. Tell Talk your to Tell your teacher. Uh, breathe. Other than that, I would say breathe. Like Breathe meaning, like, get perspective. Yeah. Chill out. Yeah. It's okay. Don't psych yourself out. Yeah. Breathe, just breathe. It in will always be fine. I know it's scary when you walk into a gym and you feel like, oh my God, I'm so big. Everybody's staring at me. Child, nobody is staring at you. <laughs> and if anything, we, we respect you. Yeah. We respect you. Yeah, if people I, are looking at you, it's it's affirmation. Yes, if you are, if you, if that's your first time doing a bicep curl and people are staring at you, it's because they recognize it's your first time and they are staring at you so that you will know they're there to help yeah. if you need them to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If anybody's staring at you, it's more so they can help you. I stare at people at the gym all the time because I'd be like, girl, you go hurt you. yourself. I got yeah. yourself. You go hurt yourself on that squat, but I'm right here if you want me to come help you. You see some things in the WSC once. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. There's just that one that one guy there who's really really sweet. I forgot his name, but his squats are like y'all can't see, it, but it's like a, it's like this uh, every single seal, right? The, just the, you see the old guy who who likes to tell everybody their business who wears the sweats all the time. Oh no, like that's name is Butch. His no, actual freaking name is Butch. But no, it's not Butch. It's this other sweet Latino boy. But his squats be so, oof, they've been, they're interesting. And I'm just waiting for him to say, hey, what do you think about my squats? So I can be like, all right. So I'm going to get you this here bench and you're going to sit down. That's oh, what yeah. you're going to do. Glad you asked. Uh, you're not going anywhere near deep enough. I don't yeah, let's just, let's work on this. So when you say breathe, right, like to this, this person, you say breathe, gain some perspective. When it when you were going through hard times, like times when you're like, I don't want to eat another goddamn kale chip, I want some fried chicken. Times when you would otherwise have broken, what did you think to yourself? Did you have like a mantra that would pop into your head? Did you have some vision that would just keep you going? Yeah, you know what? Right around this time, Beyonce's self-titled album came out. <laughs> and that one Pretty Hurts came out and I was like, it's all right. I know you want this chicken, but just think about pretty. Think about pretty. That's a really vain response, I know. And honestly, I'm a vain person sometimes, so that was where I was. But other than that, I would say if you are craving that fried chicken so damn badly, go get yourself some fucking fried chicken, but just have a drumstick. Eat one. You, can, you cannot go and get the five piece. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's where you have to draw the line. You, have, yeah. you can't That's have That's how you got where you're at. Yes. That's how you got where you at. What you can do, however, is go get a two-piece. That's some calories, right? But recognize how much that is. Go get your little two-piece. Don't get the biscuit. Yeah. Don't get the fries. Get the thing that you came for. Get the thing that you came for. <laughs> Where's the best fried chicken at? 
I will, child, I'm going to always run over to Wings on Deck down on Georgia. Have y'all been there? Oh, I told y'all about that. It's good. Those wings are good. They may take 45 minutes to cook your food. And I don't understand how it takes 45 minutes for some wings to come out, but they're good. Yeah, that macaroni and cheese is on point too. But y'all wait on that. And if you're going to go to Wings on Deck, again, just get the wings. Don't get the mac and cheese. Get them tossed in the dry rub, not the sauce. Yes. Yes. Okay, let's see. What are some other... And don't get the mambo sauce. I know it's hard, but don't mambo get the mambo sauce. sauce. What are some other good, like when you're, when you're out on the road, when you're at a restaurant, how do you make a good choice? Um, <laughs> it, this takes a train. It's like, you have to reset yourself cognitively, guys. You have to like totally, and it's not going to happen overnight that you are able to tell yourself, I can survive off of a salad with chicken and I don't need this yeah. massive steak. Yeah. That doesn't happen overnight. That takes a long time. Except yeah. that that takes a long time to fight the instinct every it's time just it comes program. Yes, exactly. It's like forgetting that you're a baritone, you're a tenor now. All the identity, all the technical shit that comes with it. Forgetting that you normally order this huge meal with yeah. all the stuff on the side. No, now you get this. Yeah, slow it down. Like if you, sure, get a thing. If you normally go to a restaurant and you get three whole things, let's just start. Let's start small. Let's just get one whole thing. You know. Yeah. And know that that one whole thing is enough. And that little bet, when you think you're hungry, you probably just need to drink some water. Yeah. I know you want to slap me for saying it because I used to want to slap people when they would say drink some water. But seriously, drink some damn water and you'll be fine. Yeah. You might not actually be hungry. Your palate might just be bored. Yeah. yeah. Or you're just, you've trained yourself to eat so much that you have to train yourself to not do so again. Yeah. You know? So you, when you, I want to go back to something you were mentioning about losing weight and you notice the wobble. And then now you certainly don't have a wobble. So... How does strength impact your singing? Physical strength. Yeah. I would say for me, I would say it has given me stamina. The strength has given me plenty of stamina. The problem comes when, for my instrument, which is naturally dark, it is very easy for me to want to over-darken it, darken it. And because I have so much strength, yeah. I can do it I can do it without easily, thinking. Yeah. So easily. And so that meant that actually physically I, I had to figure out what workouts I can do and still sing well that day and what workouts I can do and maybe just get away with the coaching and call it a So like, what do you do during, like, a, on a performance day? What do you on do? a performance day, I can tell you what I won't do. Okay. I will not do a chest workout on a performance yeah, day. No it's too much upper body. It's too easy for me to, to yeah, too close yeah. to uh, this, what is this? Yeah, just Tighten up this whole... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we we don't know what this is called. It's just the clavicle, <laughs> yeah, 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 the yeah. clavicle, all around there, Clavicola. upper chest area. Clavicola. Yeah. Um, other than that, I can do, I can do some squats. But the problem with squats is that you naturally want to do the balsabo remover maneuver. Yeah. You got to be careful with that. Yeah. Um, so breathe through that. I can do shoulder workouts, but again, I would rather do on a performance day. I'll do higher reps rather than high weights. Yeah. Um, and I can do back, I can do back any day. Like, if I do back, I'm going to sing the fuck out of that performance. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, I can't do that every performance. Because you just want to get muscle, blood flowing, muscles firing. Yes, exactly. And it, for me, um, working out before a performance is always helpful. Yeah. And if it doesn't help you to work out before, before a performance, you need to figure out why. Yeah. If most likely you're holding tension, most likely you're breathing too hard. You're doing something that is hindering you from singing well and... It should help you. So being yeah, because the, all it is is drawing blood into your muscles. Basically. Exactly. So being in the gym is a good way for you to diagnose something that might be happening vocally. Like it's a good yeah. way for you to be like, oh, you know what? I noticed I'm tight here. Mm -hmm. So during performance, yeah. I want to make sure that I'm 
loose here or you know aware of that. Definitely. But in terms of like needing to, dude, if you're gonna be singing way above the staff, you know, G through, you sing C's. C. I sing C's, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't sung a C in performance in about a year, but I, I sing C's. Yeah, C. Um, but you know, like G to G to C, dude, you really got to be supporting there. And sure. strength, like having physical strength, you would say you would much rather take that task on now than ten years ago. Yes. Just because it, it is helpful there to be strong. Yes, definitely. Would rather be strong and know when not to use it than not have that option. Yeah, I, I mean, you've seen. Every you've seen any experienced singer when they get to a certain part of their voice and it looks like their body goes like limp in a way like they had to have the strength to yeah. to use it and then, and then to let it go yeah, exactly. so that they can focus on something else. Yeah. You know. Do you um, know what your enneagram number is? I don't. Or your Myers Briggs number or Myers Briggs letters? You don't know what they are. I know it's an extrovert something, but I I, I don't know. It's an yeah. E something. Right? It starts with the E. Yeah, it starts with the, the Either an like, E or an I. Yeah, it's an E or an I. I know, and then it goes on for the I know what Freddie's Enneagram is. What is it? What's your... What's I your think friend? he's... Well, I don't know if... Look, we should probably preface this by saying I am not a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> I think these things are fun. Yep, and I think it. that you have a very... I think you have a very, like, a very captivating personality, but you're also extremely confident at least you give the, the impression that you're very confident very comfortable being yourself and a lot of like they're just very intoxicating qualities and the fact that you we're drunk on Freddie yeah we're drunk on Freddie yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank you no, I was texting Summer today Summer and Vanessa Becerra and I was like why is no one obsessed with me <laughs> <laughs> And they rent me to fail, of course, <laughs> as a friend should do. The fact that you have lost 120 pounds and you haven't gained it back, it just didn't seem like an effort for you. Like, whether or not it was an effort for you, it doesn't appear to be an effort for you. It's just like... It's supposed to be a task to be done. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't seem stressed out about it. You don't seem stressed out about really anything. Well, it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would say that I was depressed as hell when I was going through the weight loss, guys, because I was my voice was changing. And on top of that, like food was a comfort for me and yeah. I was denying myself some foods, yeah. but I, but I went the route of not denying myself the foods that I liked so much. I, I cut down, right? Yeah. I, I didn't eat it as much, but I still had the things that I wanted. Yeah. Um, so that made it somewhat easier, but like making changes in your life are not fun most of the time. Yeah. Let's be honest. It's it, growth. It's, it's growth, but yeah. it's, you have to. You have to teach yourself to be different. And we all have we all have things that we have to change about ourselves. And yeah. that's part of life. But it's nothing to be afraid of. And it's okay that it's not fun. But if you know what your end goal is, you can just fight for that goal. And eventually you'll be back to a happier place. Like So like I said, I may not have been as happy as I wanted to be for the first bit of grad school. Because there was so much going on. But... But look at you now. Yeah, I'm totally happy with who yeah. I am now. It's the, I'm happy with the changes I've made with my life. I'm happy that the changes I've made personality-wise with my own confidence level. Yeah. You know. So people, you weren't always this confident. Um. Not on the inside. Yeah. I think anybody who knows me would say I was. I've always been chatty and confident. Yeah. I think that I was not truly confident until like the past two or three years. What uh, What would you say is the anchor of your true confidence? I decided to just love myself. Everybody else could. Yeah. Why couldn't I? And then, like, once I realized that, like, you know what? Fuck it. I have extra skin on my body. 
I used to, I was 120 pounds heavier. I yeah. will always have extra skin on my body. Yeah. There's nothing fucking wrong with that. No. Nobody actually hates it. Like I said, most people don't give a fuck. Even yeah. in the gay community, which is hella judgy, <laughs> it don't matter. Yeah. Just go out and be you and people will admire you for that. Yeah. You know? It's part of your story. It is. It's yeah. Like, it's part of your fucking it's story. It's a trophy. Like, you just, yeah, it's such an accomplishment. It's a battle scar, yeah. all right? Yeah, exactly. Don't hate on your battle scars. Yeah, exactly. You fucking earned these. Yeah, exactly. I fought hard for that. Okay, you know? so you weren't, you weren't, that was a point of insecurity for you. Very much. Very, very much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did, I will admit, I did get one surgery. I, um, I, I had gynecomastia, which is man boobs. So I had very big man boobs, y'all. Like, we had it too. Oh, you did? You yeah. had it? Oh, but you were able to just do like yeah. the little pinprick surgery. Yeah. yeah. You jackass. They had to do, I, my scars are very big because I also, I'm black yeah. and I keloid as well. Uh, so my okay. scars are quite... So that well, was just for the gynecomastia? Yes. Okay, gotcha. And so I had to have that done. Yeah. But that was, I knew that, like, if I wanted to be happier, that was something yeah. that I wanted to have done. Yeah. I, I was a man, I didn't want that there. Of so I had so to you, take care you of it. You, me, and The Rock. The Rock, too? Yeah, something like 60% of men have it. Yeah, it's oh, very, to yeah. some extent, definitely. Yeah. Once, you, once you are aware of it, you're like, oh, dude, everybody's Yeah. Yeah, and if you can just look at a guy, even a guy on the beach who has, who seems to have very defined packs, you can tell. See, uh, yeah, exactly. You can tell, you know? It's just, and yeah. it's fine. That is totally fine. And some people don't have it very severely. Yours probably was. Mine was very oh, severe. Dude, so I had so to have that taken care of, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, I think actually it's probably because I have a lesson at 330. All right, so Freddie, where can people find you? You can find me on my website. Oh, yeah. It's a good looking website. It's a good looking website. Shout Isn't out. it? Shout yeah, out to it's gorgeous. Jenny Moser, girl. She's great. Um, it was so funny because Jenny is like, Freddie, what are some keywords that you want for your website? And I was like, sleek, masculine, dare I say, decadent. <laughs> Those were the exact words I said. She's like, no, you dare. Wait, you dare. Now, who, uh, let's see, when you, when you get nominated for like a Tucker Gallup, the big thing, whatever, Christian Horn won this year. I wish. When that happens for you, you love your clothes, dude. Yeah. You, you fit real nice in some clothes. You on. are decadent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to make your suit? I don't know. Tom Ford? I want to do one so bad. <laughs> I've been following his line last... His, oh, winter line was so fucking fly. And I was like, if I could do it. And also, like, for the Met opening, because poor game best, um, I'm, I'm doing sport and life with the Met. Season. Yeah, we're yeah. opening Woo! this season. Hey! Yeah. That yeah. did you the yeah. yeah! The turn up will be... Will be responsible. And <laughs> Do you have an outfit yet? I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm waiting for Norman Garrett to get back, yeah. and Norman and I are gonna do. Go shopping. Gonna call some designers yeah, and be yeah, like, "Y'all, yeah. we go like the black people have to turn up for this." So yeah. black people at the Met. I can't wait for. I really want to go crazy with YouTube videos and Insta videos of all these black people cutting up at the Met, like groups of black people twerking at the Met, like black folks at the Met. This is what we do. <laughs> I'm so excited. All right, so FreddieValentine.com. That's it, right? Freddie Frederick Valentine. FrederickValentine.com. Yeah. Tom Ford, uh, watch out for this guy. Please. Actually, I would say, dude, you, you should go look at Duncan Quinn. Oh, I don't know this in one. New York City? Yeah. Just one guy, one store. You know, I used. To, there's one designer that I really like, uh, Mr. Turk. Have you seen any uh, of his stuff? His uh, stuff is great, and I wore yeah. one of his things for the uh, Kennedy Center Honors a few years ago. Give me a shout out. He really does. He really does.